Every day, over 350,000 new variations of malware hit the web. And while most organizations have attempted to mitigate these attacks, many antivirus and firewall technologies that worked in the past are no longer effective. Rocket IT helps you identify and update outdated technologies and processes that put your business at risk. To learn more about how Rocket IT can help protect your organization, click the link in this episode's description. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Thrive Y'all. I'm your host, Jessica Clayton, and I'm the marketing coordinator here at Rocket IT. Today, I have Terry Jondo joining me. Terry, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. So Terry is the CEO of Cab Incorporated. And so for some of our viewers who may not have ever heard of your organization, can you tell us what you do and what you're responsible for on a daily basis? Sure. I'm the, the, the CEO of CAB Incorporated and we're an industrial products company with our headquarters is here in Beaufort. And we have manufacturing operations in Texas and in Washington state, and we have a warehouse in Canada, and we have engineering operations in India and China. Oh, wow. Yeah, so a lot, lot going on, and, and uh, we've grown from, let's see, three and a half million in 1996 when I became a shareholder originally to we'll do 73 million this year, so. Wow, that's incredible growth over the years. Can you just talk about like kind of how you were able to scale, you know, what started in Atlanta to be just a worldwide company? Yeah, I actually was a part of a competitor company that I got involved in in the 80s and myself and another manager. And we ran a manufacturing firm in, in a similar industry for about 10 years and then became partners in CAB and ultimately acquired the entire company. Wow. We also went back and bought the manufacturing company that, that we had previously been at in 1999. So we very quickly grew in our core business, but at the same time, we also entered for 15 years, we were in the wind energy market mm -hmm. doing big, tower flanges on the big wind towers you see go up but we're not doing that anymore it just got very competitive and and we decided to focus our resources on the area of precision machined castings and forgings and we do components for a, a lot of components in the hydraulics market we do components in the automotive market construction mining rail all kinds of categories and so it's 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 much more diversified, much less cyclical, mm -hmm. and we've been able to grow steadily without having some of the big swings that you saw in, in wind energy, which came would come and go based on whatever the production tax credits were doing. So we think we've built a company that now is really well diversified and our technical expertise with all of our engineers covering a lot of types of skills has, has really allowed us to meet customers' requirements 
even when they don't necessarily understand what they need. We've been doing what we've been doing for so long that we can be a real service for them. Well, that's absolutely what you want, especially to provide to your customers. You know, maybe someone may not know exactly what they want, but just being able to step in to be that helping hand and to go that extra mile, I think leaves a great impression, you know, and builds relationships. Yep. And that's what it's all about. And I'm, I'm kind of particular about as we work our plan on building our business, we want to make sure we have strong relationships with both our customers and our suppliers, because honestly, life's too short to do business with people you don't like. So we are selective about who we spend our time on because you only have so many hours in a day and resources to be able to, to develop relationships. So you want to pick and choose carefully. Doesn't mean we don't occasionally have times where we knock heads with some some customers and some suppliers, but overall, we we strive for win win relationships. Mm-hmm. I totally I totally agree. Yes. And so, how what led you to pursue a career in the manufacturing field initially? Like, what made you say, yeah, you know, that looks that's fun? A good question because I would have never. I would have never expected to to do it. But when I was just out of high school, going into college, doing night classes, I was also doing an office automation project ahead of the time, well, just ahead of the time when IBM PCs came out. And I had this big grand plan on all this office automation stuff, even before fax machines mm-hmm. were out. And, and I was able to solicit and get funding from a big computer company to do a model project for the county that I was in, in in Northern California. And so I did that for a couple of years and I was a little frustrated working in government. It, mm-hmm. you, you, you're constrained a lot. And, and I really wanted to be, I didn't want anything holding me back. So at that time, computers, PC computers came out and Computerland became a real big deal. That's where you went to buy your computer. So I took a chance, went across country, moved to Annapolis for a year doing computer sales and and killing it. But a friend of mine worked for a manufacturing company who was owned by a group of Greek investors. It got bought by a group of Greek investors because they were nationalizing uh, industries in Greece mm-hmm. and were trying to move their money offshore. So they were looking to invest in the U.S. So they bought this small company, small manufacturing company that had factories in uh, California, Texas, and Florida. And then they opened a, a, a Maryland headquarters and hired a whole bunch of overhead. The company was only doing $6 million a year. And after a year, a little over a year, they had they were losing a million a year and selling two and a half million a year. So they were going to shut it down. And so I had been selling computers and I, and I knew accounting and, and what I learned in college about accounting was I hated it and I never wanted to be an accountant, but (laughs) I'm so glad I took it because the the finance skills have been, now I live and die by my numbers. I, Mm -hmm. I, I see a, a, a spreadsheet as sort of a painting of, of the, the what ifs. So anyway, this company was going to shut down. I was selling computers, understood all of the accounting stuff, but the piece that I was 
feeling like I wish I understood more was manufacturing. And so when the opportunity came along with this, this friend of mine, we, I, I suggested that we write them a little business plan mm-hmm. like I had done on this office automation plan. And I got all the funding lineups and let's write the business plan for the Greeks and suggest they let us take it over and see what we can do with it before they shut it down. What do they have to lose? So we wrote this little plan and I mean little <laughs> and they, they said, well, okay, what the heck? So we shut down the, the Maryland office, got rid of all of the heavy overhead, shut down the Florida operation, moved to Texas. I walked in the door on the first day. And as I stood on the threshold in their office, which was carpeted, there was at least half a inch of dirt on the, they had been just using it for storage. And, and it was in horrendous shape. And I remember freezing and thinking, what did I get myself into? (laughs) But, you know, we, we turned around that operation, tripled the size of it, became profitable. We did it for about 10 years, kept thinking we were going to buy it from the Greeks, but the Greeks kept backing out when we put together a deal. So uh, a competitor, a friendly competitor who we, there was a lot of mutual respect, invited us to come on board CAB who actually had been previously a sales rep for us when we were first involved with the, the Greeks 10 years prior. So it's a crazy small world. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we came on board. Four years later, we bought the operation from the Greeks. So we ended up with the manufacturing operation in Texas. We sold off the California operation, which we subsequently later have reacquired. Mm-hmm. We don't have the manufacturing out there, but the business piece of it we do. And little by little, we, we, we became preeminent in the steel pipe flange business. Water and wastewater was our core business. And then we began to add some castings and forgings. We started in rail components and then we added, start sticking our toe in the water on hydraulic stuff. Mm-hmm. And we got better and better and better and better in our ability to manage these highly technical projects. And, you know, we kept working our plan mm-hmm. and, and I will tell you, we had huge hurdles to do. A lot of it was just, we didn't know what the heck we were doing, but we would figure it out. Right. But then we get to the 2008 and 2008, we were, we were killing it in the wind energy and just doing a great job. And GE wanted us to build a big factory in the U S and, and thank God we didn't, we'd have been out of business, but true. But then the, the 2008 Lehman brothers fell and they were the major financiers of wind projects in the U yeah. S and so that, that entire industry froze and our, our customers, customer GE said they, we had millions of dollars of inventory on hand per an agreement, a purchase agreement with them was all on purchase order. And they said, we can't take it. Well, we're not a bank. We can't. So we barely made it through. It took, we ultimately took them a little over two years to, to finally take all the inventory off our hands, but we almost went out of business, but I negotiated with around the world with, with suppliers and customers and banks and, 
every contract that, that we had, we had to push to try to reduce our costs and, and mm -hmm. stay alive. And we did, and it took a very long time to get our, our financing back in the right shape. And it was brutal. So one of the things we decided to do was that well, we're going to do less in wind. So we mm -hmm. started real selective on the wind energy in several years. We did some one year, nothing the next year. And we decided, okay, well, let's, let's get into oil and gas. And so we got into, we were doing some components in oil and gas for a big company near our Texas plant. And we thought we had been wanting to get in with this company for 20 years. Mm -hmm. We finally got in the door and we got the products rolling and, and we're really performing well. And then the oil and gas market tanked. <sighs> well, actually just before it tanked, GE bought that company. Oh my God. So we, we had, again, we had, oil and gas inventory on the ground for a company that wasn't GE at the mm -hmm. time, thinking we're, you know, we're fine. We got purchase orders. Well, then GE bought it, then oil and gas tanked. And then GE said, no, 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 we can't take that inventory. It's going to take us a couple of years to work it off. So I thought, oh my gosh, never again. Yes. So, so that was a, that was a scary lesson, mm -hmm. but we have since then, We've diversified among some, a variety of companies with a heavy concentration in the hydraulics industry, which serves a whole bunch of things. You see hydraulics components on utility trucks and on forklifts and on mm. the tree trimming trucks and there it's everywhere. And it's not a project based thing where oil and gas tends to be really sensitive to the price of oil wind energy was sensitive to tax credits. So in, in this product area, you know, you get some ups and downs as the economy comes and goes. People may put off doing buying some new equipment and just repair some existing. You get a, you know, so you get a little bit of cyclic nature, but mostly that stuff as we all know, Amazon is building the heck out of warehouses. Yes. And there's a whole lot of other warehouses that are being built. And so all of those require our products and we're doing a darn good job on it. And we maintain under contracted take or pay, we call them agreements. We maintain inventory for these major customers. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, the thing that got us through this latest supply chain crisis has been our ability that we had inventory on hand. When we start sensing problems, we we built up inventory to make sure we could meet our customers' needs. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, everybody has talked about the the big companies don't want to carry inventory, so mm -hmm. they want somebody downstream to to carry it. But they want just in time inventory. Well, all the companies who focused on just in time inventory ended up with empty wheelbarrows when it came to when the economy started coming back. Yeah. We did not have that problem. We continued staying focused and committed to our plan of keeping the proper amount of inventory based on demand forecast, based on historical usage. And we've we've performed amazingly well. And mm -hmm. we had a large contract for a, a major automotive manufacturer that came on, came on board in 2020 
and mm -hmm. it was something that we had to select a, a new supplier overseas to do a really fast ramp up. And then with all the COVID stuff, we couldn't even send our U.S. engineers overseas. Fortunately, I had overseas engineers, mm -hmm. who go and, but we spent a lot of time managing that process from 8,000 miles away. And we were able to get those production rates ramped up on this very close to the schedule they wanted. And, and everybody was shocked that we could do it when the whole world was in total meltdown mode on supply chains. Plus we beefed, beefed up our US manufacturing capabilities to do more automated machining stuff here in the US. So we have a balance we can, we can do you know, a variety of, of countries. We, we've worked in Korea, India, China, Vietnam, South Africa. So we've got, heck, we were in Romania for in the eighties. And so we've, we've tried to be adaptable and, but it's complex. And our job for our customers is to do the hard work. Mm -hmm. All this stuff takes, it, it can be so distracting to your core business that if it's something you're just trying to do as a department in a big company, it's hard to be as effective as we can when we have so much brain power focused on getting it right on time. Yep. And solving those problems. Yes. Yes. Well, that's a great story about how, you know, you guys were able to persevere through not just a couple of tri uh, trials, but, you know, each kind of decade and then COVID, almost. Yeah, you're right. And then COVID hit. I mean, when 08, 09, 08, 09, 10, it was a slow motion crash. Mm -hmm. I thought growing up that we would never see another Great Depression because the government, in my mind, that they put in controls that would keep us from having that kind of meltdown. Mm -hmm. well, little did we know. The big lesson I learned in the Great Recession was winter always returns. Yes, it does. So you had better prepare for it. Yes. So we tried to rebuild and, and fortify our business for that. What I didn't ever anticipate was the idea that we could have a pandemic. <laughs> so Never. when that hit, I, 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 I was just, I was shocked. I was so shocked. And, and again, that's been a slow motion thing. It didn't just burn out. And, and so, but, but we've, we've done okay by mm -hmm. sticking to our, our strategy. We had been focused over the years on moving much of our computing into the cloud so that because we have so many people that travel, mm -hmm. so even our phone system, we were a beta customer for Microsoft's phone system with online presence uh, way back in probably 15, at least 15 years ago, way before Teams and stuff. but. So our, our people can take their phone calls anywhere. Our data is all stored in, you know, OneDrive accounts and SharePoint and everything to the cloud. So it's accessible. Everybody in our operation is set up to work from home, except our machinists. But so they can work from anywhere. And that probably also put us ahead of the curve on dealing with the COVID Yes. So many companies had to like adjust at when things were literally falling apart and just being able to have those first couple of steps, 
you know, you kind of avoid it a little bit. Yeah. Some disaster. I can't imagine people who, who work strictly on antiquated systems where they had to be at their computer. And I don't know. I'm so glad that, that we weren't in that spot. We were one less big problem. Yes. And so how can viewers get connected with you or even contact CAB Incorporated? Well, the best thing to do is go to our website, www.cabinc.com, and you can reach out to us there. I'm pretty available, you know, on social media, LinkedIn. You can, you can find me. If you Google me, I'm there. So it's, it's not hard to find me. And I'm always eager to, to provide advice to folks who are up and coming. It's one of the things that's been most rewarding to me in my community involvement, just being around because you've been around the block over the years, I'll get messages from people who say, you know, that conversation you had with me in 1987 about what I needed to focus on in, in my life made a big difference. Or mm -hmm. I worked with you in the nineties and, and, and the things that you said and did really made a difference. And, and so those little things are, it's kind of cool to think that you made a yes impression. For sure. And so is there anything else you would like to share with our audience today? Well, I think I probably, you know, did a short run of a very long story. <laughs> I think, I hope that, that that path is, is helpful to someone. I think the most important thing that you have to be able to do is, is be both adaptable and be resilient because you, you don't know what's coming your way. Always remember that winter will always return and prepare for that. And those things, if you're always learning and adapting, and if you're always preparing for the worst and hoping for the best, you're creating your own safety net. And that's even if you're building a company or you're building your own lifestyle with multiple side gigs that, that are how you make your livings. Perfect. And so that, Terry, you shared a lot of great information. We're going to leave some links to resources for your website and how people can get in contact with CAB Incorporated. Okay. For all of our viewers, this wraps up another episode of Thrive, y'all. Terry, again, we want to thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story. And we will see you on the next episode of Thrive, y'all. Mm -hmm.